G'day everybody, it's Lucas Holmes and David Redden here with our weekly AFL podcast. Without any further ado, journalist and broadcaster Lucas James Holmes is with us from an unusual location today in the, one of the most beautiful parts of all of the East Coast of Australia, Caysbridge. G'day, Louis. Uh, afternoon, David. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, great to be with you once again, David. Plenty of football gone on both locally and from an AFL perspective last week and uh, looking forward to going through it with you. Straight back to last week, um, the predicted thumping of West Coast again, Richmond 165, West Coast 56. In an absolute thriller, which everybody sort of woken up and said, goodness me, look at the Dockers. The Dockers 10-9, beating Geelong at Gardenia Park 10-6, that's three points. In a game that we raised our eyebrows when we eyebrows when we were um, on air at uh, Cambridge Oval in North Calabiel, the Giants belted the tripe out of the Adelaide Crows 17-11, to 8-6, a remarkable result. I don't think anybody tipped anything like that. Melbourne and Hawthorne. Hawthorne again showed they can play. Melbourne 13-13, Hawthorne 11-15. And if you look at the best players on the ground in the air, has been medal projector, Gorn and Petrarca and Oliver, I think, were the three that were the best players on the ground. That makes things very difficult for everybody else when those three play well. In a doer and a... Well, I suppose extraordinary scoreline up there at um, Kazali's Oval in Port in Cairns. Port Adelaide 5-13. I can't remember the last time an AFL side kicked 5-13 and won. Lucas, you and I have done a couple of grand finals when the wind was blowing at Newcastle, number one sports ground, where I think Singleton might have kicked six goals, seven, about that score and belted Maitland. Do you remember that game? I think it was a plate grand yeah. final. The old, the, old, the old Division One. That's um, right. Oh, there was a Division One actually. Yeah. It was Division yeah. One. And St Kilda kicked four goals, 18 in losing. Remarkable. Robbie Gray was the match winner there. Carlton, a standard 50-point thumping of North Melbourne, 17-12, 10-4. Collingwood, solid over the Suns. The Suns were not disgraceful. Collingwood, 17-13. The Suns, 14-6. The the blowtorch is massively on Essendon at the moment in all parts of the media south of of Albury. They are getting posterised, Essendon. The Western Bulldogs, 16-7, great shooting. Essendon, 10-11. And in a game that I, I, I'm i not sure if anybody's ridiculously surprised that Brisbane won, but the margin was pretty convincing. Brisbane, 17-11 by four goals, four goals over Sydney, 13-11. Lucas, you had some notes that you wanted to discuss. Um, over to you in our quick um, preview of round seven before we look through it through again. Eight. Over to you, Louie, and please take control. I'll go on mute. No, over to you, my friend. I did. I um, we spoke about this game last week, David, when we um we, when we got together to have a chat, and it was that Geelong Fremantle game. We spoke about Fremantle a couple of weeks ago. They defeated Essendon in that game at Docklands, and were, were they the real deal? They struggled to uh, travel, and with their results there, but they did exactly that against Geelong at Cadinia Park, which is always hard to do. Um, Darcy Tucker played his hundredth game. Lockie Shules his fiftieth, and Fremantle too were out without two of their being a forward and rough targets, Matt Tabernow, who's all, who has almost been the lone, the lone ranger in their forward half these last couple of seasons, and Sean Darcy were out missing. But that didn't matter, David. A three-point win away from home against Geelong in Geelong's huge. Um, Tom Stewart, a key, key defender, he's very, a very mobile key defender. So Geelong, he had 40 disposals, four, tackle, four tackles and a clearance. Um, Andrew Brayshaw, who's been on a tear so far this season, had 28 disposals, four tackles and three clearances. And um, Tyson Stengel's um, continuing his career resurgence. He had three goals. And the only uh, injury concern for Geelong out of this game, David, was Max Holmes. He succumbed to an ankle injury, but 
just waiting for a further update on that one. Look, it's a very convincing performance. It's as simple as that. And, and as is always the case with, case with the Perth-based sides, the Dockers not only want to get into the eight, they want to get top four, give themselves a chance to play it off. Just uh, very, very good performance. Um, Louis, you, you wanted to speak about Melbourne and Hawthorne as well, a pretty decent performance by Hawthorne against the best side in the league. It was, David. They've, they've been good in these last couple of weeks, haven't they, Hawthorne? Apart from that uh, capitulation in that last term, term against Sydney in Launceston a couple of weeks ago, but we spoke about Melbourne too last week, David. They had a few outs with health and safety protocols. Luke Jackson was the main one of those um, for, for Melbourne, but that, that didn't concern Hawthorne at all. They played fairly well. Dylan Moore, he had 33 disposals, a goal, three tackles and a clearance, but you spoke about Oliver Petrarca and and Gorn earlier, Oliver himself had 33 disposals, five tackles and five clearances. Petrarca, 31 disposals, a goal, two tackles and three clearances. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Gorn had 29 for a ruck, which is um, which is superb in this day and age. And it was a returning Ben Brown who did uh, the damage for Melbourne. He had four goals. Jake Kaczynski had four for Hawthorne, whereas uh, Toby Bred- uh, Bedford, Max Gorn and Tom McDonald had two goals each. And just some a couple of injury concerns out of that one, David Smith with an ankle for for Melbourne and Connor Nash with a quad injury for Hawthorne. So just touch and go on those in this for, to look at for later in the week, but just some, a couple of injury concerns for both sides there. Absolutely. Um, one of the interesting things will be when and you and I keep a close eye on Brownlow medal considerations later in the year, you wonder whether the Melbourne players will again fall over each other and take votes off one another and whether that's going to help players like the three that I would think of at the moment are Patrick Cripps, Andrew Brayshaw and Lockie Neal are the three that come to mind immediately. Uh, but very interesting situation there. Um, yeah, you you mentioned something about Port Adelaide and Kilda. Not a high quality in the football, but again, Port Adelaide, finally, they were terrible in the first part of the season and two wins is... Um, it hasn't got their season back on track, but they're beginning to to wake up from their dormancy. It hasn't, David. And I'll post something to you that's not for, not entirely football related. But after we go through this game quickly, but it was interesting. They had about five hundred mils of rain that fell in the week leading up to this game in Cairns. So it was an interesting decision to play it there. But we'll, I'll come back to that uh, very shortly. I know um, where Paddy you're leading Ryder, with that too. Yeah, uh, Paddy Ryder and Campbell came in for the injured. Uh, Rowan Marshall and Jack and Jack Hayes. We spoke about Hayes earlier in the season. He actually succumbed to an ACL injury a fortnight ago. But St Kilda have committed to helping him with his recovery and have committed to him for season 2023. So that's great for him. And for Port Adelaide, Xavier Dersma came in, but he was a sub for this one. Um, for St Kilda, as you said, it was a very dour, very physical match. Uh, Seb Ross, 31 disposals, four tackles, three clearances. Uh, Jack Steele, once again, 27 disposals, eight tackles, six clearances. And Ollie Wines, last year's reigning Brownlow medalist, 27 disposals, a goal, four tackles and four clearances for Port. Um, and Gray and Max King kicked two goals each. But I, th- I think, as you said there, David, it's interesting why they played it. Well, we know why they played it in Cairns. St Kilda being one of the smaller uh, Victorian clubs, trying to raise more money, particularly... Um, after what's happened the last two seasons in the Australian Football League and community leagues around the country. But purely because of the weather, this time of the year in Cairns, it's the, it's the wet season. I understand why they've played it, but is it a good spectacle? I don't think so. Lucas, wet season um, is my understanding. I, I'm not being smart, 
No. I've got some cricket contacts, particularly a dear friend of mine, Rhonda, who is Cairns-based. She's the scorer yep. for Queensland Country and the Mulgrave Cricket Club up there. And the wet season, I think you'll find, is October to like March and April. Okay, yeah. I called her recently when there were huge floods in Townsville and she said, David, Cairns, Cairns is designed to handle tropical rainfall. Townsville's not. And that's why Townsville's flooding is a lot worse. 500 mils is a lot. That's almost the same amount as we had recently when we had flooding. When clubs are struggling fiscally and someone comes and says, bring it up here to far north Queensland, he's an X amount of money, call it a couple of hundred thousand dollars. If you're the CEO of a football club and you're responsible for the sustainable, excuse me, the sustainability of the football club. It's all very easy when you're Collingwood and Essendon and you can't have it, you can't, you know, you, you've got 120,000 members. For goodness sake, there's pets that are members of bloody Collingwood. Um, St Kilda's a small market site. Is it the wrong thing to do to short? Is the four points all that matters? And if that's the case, then fine, play all of your home games at Docklands. But yeah. Docklands is not cheap and... If, if, you, if you're fiscally managing that, um, what, where do you see that? If, to throw that back at you, yeah. If you're if you're the CEO, isn't that isn't that a decision that may be? I've seen the negative press, and yeah. I, to be quite honest, I think six six sixty percent of it's bollocks. Some of it's got some validity, but I can't blame them for taking the money. Other codes do it. Parramatta does it. Parramatta has been yeah. going to Darwin for years. Um, and they've been these. Didn't Carmichael Hunt kick a game winner at um, Kazali's a few years ago for the Gold Coast Suns when he was part of that? Yeah, that's just my thoughts. I think you raise a very interesting point, and I bounce back and say, if I'm in charge of managing that club, I I can see why they've done it. To be quite honest, fiscally. Yeah, fiscally, it makes perfect sense, David. I agree with you there. It's just interesting with the weather. Yes, sir. It's those that part of the country has tropical rainfall quite often, and they're and, and they're built for it. But is it a good spec? Is it a good spectacle? No, I, I think purely from a game perspective, it wasn't a good look. You spoke, we spoke about the scores. Then what was it, five thirteen to four fourteen, or some, something around that? So four, it, four it, it, eighteen, sorry, yeah. four eighteen. Yeah. So from that perspective, I it, I, I wouldn't class it as entertaining, but fiscally, it makes perfect sense, especially for a for a smaller um, market club that St Kilda are and considering the um, the way that we've had to deal with these last two years fiscally um, and makes perfect sense. I think most people would agree with you there, but for, purely from a game spectacle point of view, it's just not a good look. But fiscally, um, I, I don't blame um, Matt Finnis, the CEO of St Kilda and the, and, the hot, and the people that are high up within that football club of taking it away from Victoria to a remote part of the country. Your pies were solid again. They're going along quite nice at the moment, backing up Anzac Day with another win against Gold Coast. And um, any surprises for you, Brisbane and Sydney, before we go ahead to this week's round? I, I, I don't think so, David. And all in all, the close for the close for the most part, Sydney got it back within uh, th- three points there. I think at some at one stage there on Sunday afternoon. But I don't think if, if we were speaking about it last week, I think we actually both tipped Sydney. But I think Brisbane. That's no great. one surprised. No one surprised at Brisbane were victorious, but I think it was the manner they did it that really surprised Lockie Neal. You spoke about him then. Thirty-seven disposals, one goal, nine tackles, and eleven clearances. And Luke and Luke Parker continues his outstanding season for Sydney. Thirty-three disposals, six tackles, and eight clearances for them. And 
Uh, Lance Franklin kicking six goals. A lot of multiple goal kickers. Uh, Charlie Cameron, Isaac Heaney, Dan McStay, Cameron, he kicked three each. And uh, former UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldog, David Errol Golden, uh, kicked two goals. So too with that, uh, Dane Zorka, who's impressed so far this season, uh, coming back into Brisbane's midfield, which is going from strength to strength. So uh, all going well there for the Lions. But a couple of big injury concerns, David. Dana, uh, Joe Danaher got subbed at halftime for a shoulder injury. And Harry Cunningham uh, went out for a groin in the fourth quarter, was replaced by James Bell. So some big injuries from both sides, uh, but Danaher especially. There's been a lot of press in Melbourne this week about the sub rule as well and people thinking that it's been manipulated and whatever else. I, I, I actually quite like the sub rule. I, I, I think it works. Yes, there are coaches that may be manipulating a little bit, but if you have a concussion in the first three minutes of a game through no fault of anybody's but an accident, I do, I do believe the sub rule needs to stay. That's my personal opinion. In such a big sport and with so many, with 100 interchanges, you don't want to be left 22 on 21 because you will lose at the critical juncture in the fourth quarter. You will lose games because players are spent. Yeah, well, and, and that, on that substitution, Law, I think they've dropped it even further, David. I think it might even be at 75 as we speak at the moment. So that's further. Um, and because the games are getting longer, um, it's going end to end. The pace of the footballs uh, as quick as it's ever been. I think it's uh, crucial, as you said, yes, uh, coaches, they're being smart and manipulating it to a point, but um, at some stage, I think that may be uh, looked at even further. Oh, look, I've got no doubt it will because um, you're right, it is It is 75. My apologies. I did read and I was doing a bit of homework, Lucas, which will surprise you and all of our viewers, uh, our listeners, and um I was looking at the numbers of interchanges that were being used in a particular game, and I thought I saw 98 and so forth, but obviously I was wrong. It, it, it is 75. I've just done a web check on that. So well done, Lucas. 37 homes, one redden. Now, on to round six with an unusual and I think a great doubleheader on Friday Night Football this week. So our games in sequential order, some really interesting ones, a couple that will be shellackings, but a couple that are interesting. Port Adelaide hosts the Western Bulldogs at the Adelaide Oval. That's half past seven. So all of these times, everybody, are Australian Eastern Standard Time. Port Adelaide and Western Bulldogs, half past seven, Adelaide Oval, Friday night, followed by Fremantle and North Melbourne. That's a 20 to nine um, Australian Eastern Standard Time at Optus Stadium in Perth. A huge, and I do mean a massive fixture on Saturday. The two early games, um, and I'll comment on something else in a minute because I'm not sure how many times it's happened. At 1.45, two games of football. Traditional and hated rivals, Richmond and Collingwood at the MCG, 1.45. At the exact same time, the Swans hosting the Gold Coast Suns. Then, as I said, very rare for there to be a Giants and a Sydney game at home on the same day, on the same weekend, except that the Giants game's not in Sydney. The Giants, one of their Monica games hosting Geelong, that could be... Yeah, it could be an interesting game. I, I think there's long still favourites, but um, yeah, and getting a bit cool this weekend too. So that'll be played in cool weather. Essendon and Hawthorne, the night game, one of the night games at Docklands, the other night game at the Gabba, the Brisbane Lions and the West Coast Eagles. The West Coast Eagles, $15 in sports bet. And I reckon that 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 got to even go out further. And then on Sunday, a double header back to back. And so you can watch football all the way through without missing a bounce of any of the game. Melbourne and St Kilda at the MCG, that's got potential. 10 past one. And Carlton and Adelaide at Docklands at 20 to 5. Louis, your tips, please. We'll go through these. Port, uh, I'll, I will yeah. go first in this one, and then I'll get you to we'll go on alternates. Port yeah. Adelaide and Western Bulldogs. Look, I think Port Adelaide have been reasonable in recent weeks. 
Western Bulldogs have been patchy. However, I don't think the dogs are that bad. I think I'm iffy on Port Adelaide, despite the fact that it's in Adelaide. Western Bulldogs by 11 points for me. Yeah, I th- I'm going with the Western Bulldogs too, David. I just think they're starting to find that sort of fourth to fifth gear at the moment. They started the season quite slow. Yeah. They're just revving through the gears at the moment. Tim English is, is still been out with a hamstring. They brought Stefan Martin back in for that midfield. We spoke about them at length the last couple of seasons. Josh Dunkley, Adam Trelaw and the like. Um, Tom Libertore has been sold the last couple of weeks. I just think they're just finding that, starting to find that uh, gear that will propel them into the top eight uh, later in the season. Over to you for your first tip here. It's for mine, it's how many, but it's from Antelon North yep. at Optus Stadium. Yeah, it, it, it is how many, David. Fremantle back at home against North. Jason Horn Francis, uh, last season's number one draft pick, actually won the Rising Star nomination for round seven. So the number one draft pick's got his name. He's, he's had in the ring, excuse me, for later in the season when, that, when that's announced. But Fremantle at home against North Melbourne, I think I think it'll be a struggle for the Kangaroos. I think Fremantle by about six or seven goals, David. They two are going strength for strength under uh, Justin Longmuir, who's ha- had the reins there for a couple of seasons now. 50 points for me. 50. Richmond and Collingwood is a fascinating fixture. Richmond, interestingly, very short price favourites, $1.40. Um, with Collingwood $2.96. So the betting market's quite ridiculous. Collingwood have been a lot more solid than that. Um, yeah, people will say, but they've only beat Neston and, and the Gold Coast. Collingwood and Neston, whenever Collingwood win, beat Neston, it doesn't matter whether they're on the ladder, it's a big win. Um, Richmond coming off playing pretty much a second-grade football side against uh, the West Coast in Perth. 1.45pm, Dustin Martin playing for Richmond, which is great to see. Josh Caddy retired today, as Lucas alluded to earlier. I'm sorry, I can't pick Richmond. I think Collingwood, I know they're missing Brodie Grundy, but I, uh, I'm i I'm convinced that Collingwood are playing accountable, disciplined football. Um, I think they're a reasonable football side. I don't think they're great. My check is playing overs at the moment. He's playing far better than I think he should be allowed to. He's much greater than some of his parts. Collingwood by 10 points to me and what is possibly an upset, uh, upset, but I'm on the Maggies here. and You know how much I don't like them. I don't like either club very much, but if I'm going to put my football hat on it as part of our, our podcast, Collingwood by 10. Yeah, it, it's interesting, Dave. You, you spoke about Brody Majek, who was actually drafted as a key defender and has played all his AFL career in the forward line. But I think Darcy Cameron's actually been quite a stupid pickup from Sydney the last couple of years. He was impressive in the forward line yeah. uh, last week against Gold Coast. They kicked seven, goal, seven unanswered goals in the first quarter from nine inside 50 entries. So they were super efficient, which hasn't been the Collingwood of lately, the last couple of years under Nathan Buckley, they haven't been that way. But Rich, Rich, Richmond getting Dustin Martin back, uh, we spoke about it just before we started. Um, he reminds you one of the, of the players from the from Collingwood that has a lot, lot of tattoos as well and a former Brownlow medalist. But he, I think I think he'll be used very sparingly in fits and spurts. They might rest him forward. Interesting to see who they put to Martin when he rests forward. Um, maybe someone like a Braden Maynard, who's strong enough but supremely quick along the ground. Martin Martin would have him for strength, but uh, speed across the ground would be an interesting one there. To- Toby Nankervis is pro- is probably hasn't haven't had enough attention paid to him the last little while. He's been superb in the ruck for Richmond, but they've had a couple of uh, injury concerns as well. It's good to see Dion Prestia back, and they've had a couple of uh, good. Um, sorry, excuse me, some good contributions along the ground. I was really, when 
when the draft came through last season, David, the one player other than Dacos and Horn Francis that I had my eye on was, was Josh Gibkiss along the half back line. He was picked up by Richmond. He's had a really strong start to the season. So he's really one for me to keep my eye on to, apart from the stars in this game. Collingwood, by how far for you, please? Two and a half goals. I'm not supremely confident, but I think they're, they're starting to get their forward mix right, David. I think you spoke about Majacek as well. He's one that plays taller than he is. Yes, he's sort of that. He's sort of a smaller key forward. Jamie Elliott's obviously out at the moment, uh, re, um, getting back from a shoulder injury. But he's someone too that's smaller and plays a lot taller than he is. But I just think they're starting to get that um, forward mix right. Martin will give them confidence around the ground, but I don't think it'll be used so far. But Collingwood, for me, David, about 15 points. I think the Swans will beat the Gold Coast by about 20 at the SCG. The Swans will be disappointed with how they play, so they're playing the Queensland sides back-to-back. But I do think that they'll beat the Suns 20 points relatively comfortably. Suns are okay. I see Tuke Miller got a three-vote on the weekend. But no, Sydney, for me, um, as I said, 20 points. Yeah, Miller was good last week, David. Had a lot of the footy, but didn't quite use it maybe as well as he could have. Um, The Suns started really well in that uh, tight loss against Collingwood in the end. They had the first two goals of the game game before Collingwood um, came back in a big way. But they were were solid last week. Jared Witts is back. We spoke about him. He missed the majority of last season with an ACL injury. He's he's a really good player, David Unherald, and up there on the Gold Coast with the Swans going strength to strength. Um, midfielder Justin McInerney uh, signed a long-term extension with Sydney to be there for the next couple of seasons as well. So their midfield is looking good once you see the end of um, Josh Kennedy in the next couple of years. I think they'll go from strength to strength. Sydney will be too good for me. I think they'll win by about six goals, David. Okay. And I think that Sydney are building into becoming a very powerful football side like days of old. They have recruited well. They have got good players. Um, and whilst Ever Franklin's there, they've got that sort of that X factor up, up there forward. Again, I do think they're more dangerous when he doesn't play um, because you don't know who to go to. The Giants and Geelong is actually quite an interesting fixture. The Giants had been in hibernation for four weeks and then come out and belt the tripe out of Adelaide. They just destroyed them. Lucas and I were monitoring scores at Cambridge and it was just, we were, I was set on saying this is astonishing. It was. At the vast expanses of Monica, when you go to Monica, Monica's huge. It's a big setup. It's fascinating to watch Monica when you're in the, I've been in the press box there scoring, and it's a huge setup. You wonder whether Geelong, Geelong having an aging list, the Giants midfielders for some reason last week just clicked. They actually have a pretty decent midfield and the guys to run through. Whether or not they can, the question for me is can they handle Jeremy Cameron and um, Tom Hawkins? Obviously, I'm picking the Giants. The Cats are only slight favourites on Sportsbet, which I find a bit hard to believe. But uh, for me, look, I'm going to tip the actually going to tip the Giants in an upset here. Uh, I reckon they can expose Geelong a bit. It'd be interesting to see how this game goes. Your thoughts? Yeah, it'd be interesting how they use the ball on the Giants. Lockie Whitfield had prior to last week come under a bit of um, uh, wasn't well thought out in the press, under a bit of criticism for the way he's used the ball in the last couple of weeks and come in and out of games. So that'll be interesting. I'm just going through the injury list here. Uh, Phil Davis is still out with a high-grade hamstring injury. So it'll be interesting from a Giants perspective how they handle that one-two punch in the forward line of Hawkins and Cameron. If Davis was fit, you think he'd probably go, go to Hawkins potentially. He's a little... Davis is mobile but doesn't get up the ground as much as Cameron does so that doesn't matter though because Davis isn't playing it'd be interesting to see there I just think with Davis out I don't think they really have that um, 
their backline set set in stone to to quell Hawkins and and Cameron. Does that mean Lockie Keith goes back potentially? He's pinch hit in the ruck so far this year as well. But just with that, we've spoken about that with other sides playing uh, Geelong throughout the season. I just think that'll get them over the line. And Geelong is starting to build as well. They've had a couple of rocky results, but they've had a couple of huge wins too. And I just think that experience, and they might get Patrick Dangerfield back as well. So throw him into the mix. I think they'll be a bit too strong for the Giants. But speaking of the Giants, Tom Green has been superb so far this season. By far the best player. Tom Green's a very good player. Yeah. Um, the two night games, um, first of all, Brisbane or Beltwell West Coast, we know that. Yep. That's just a, it's a given. Essendon and Hawthorne, I have no faith. I, I still think Essendon uh, uh, are, are struggling. Something is not right at Tullamarine. Something's just not quite right. So I'm on Hawthorne relatively comfortably. Docklands say 25 points. And Brisbane could conceivably beat the West Coast Eagles by 60, 70, 80 points. Uh, the night games for you, Lucas? Yeah, I um, agree with you both there. Uh, Hawthorne just edging at Essendon and Brisbane, yeah, comfortable over West Coast. They've had some uh, injury and COVID drama, so too of Fremantle, who we spoke about earlier, but I'll confirm those names and we've got, when we've got through this slate of matches. But, yeah, uh, Hawthorne in a tight one for me, David and Brisbane, yeah, big over West Coast. I think everyone would be in agreement with that one. And then the Sunday games are both in Melbourne back-to-back and separated so that you can watch them back-to-back. The first game is Melbourne and St Kilda at the MCG. It's the early game on Sunday afternoon at 10 past one. Um, St Kilda were unconvincing. That's a nice way of saying it against Port Adelaide. And they're coming up against the best team in the AFL, who've been solid in the last few weeks without being spectacular. They beat Hawthorne by 10 points, remember. I think Melbourne will win this. I think they might put the foot down. I think that they'll win by, say, 30 points. I think they're that much better aside than St Kilda, especially given a reasonable day at the G. Interesting to see what both midfields do. They've got some big accumulators in Oliver, who isn't the flashiest player, David, but gets it done. Um, So too, Jack Steele isn't that flasher either, but he gets a lot of ball, he gets a lot of clearances, and in the contested situations, he's second to none in the competition for me. So it'll be interesting to see how both midfields go about it. Um, but I think Melbourne, it might be close for that maybe two and a half to three quarters, but I think then Melbourne, as you said, they may put the foot down and may blow about a five or six goal gap into them. But I think for the majority of the game, it'll be closer than that. And Carlton going along okay. They've got one of the best players in the league at the moment and they're, they're playing pretty convincing footy. Adelaide up in, in the last few weeks had been pretty handy and then had an absolute abomination of a performance against the Giants. Their coach, Matthew Nix, will be staying home in health protocols. And one of uh, Lucas's favourite players growing up, Scott Burns, will be looking after the Adelaide Crows this week in the coach's box. Um, Adelaide playing decent footy. Um, no Sloan playing in Melbourne. Carlton pr- playing at home. I'm sorry, I can't pick Adelaide. I've got to keep Carlton by four goals for me. Yeah, I'm unsure. Carlton have been very good, yes. I think they might go on to win, but I don't think Adelaide will take a backward step. They'll be 100 times better than they were against the Giants last week. They, we see in all codes around the world, the week or game after that, um, sides get beaten by that many, they bounce back. And the sides that win, had the thumping win the week prior sort of got, come back to the field again in the following round. So I think it might be a close game, but Carlton just really hitting their straps. Great to see Charlie Kerno and Sam Doherty finally get to full health and hopefully they can stay there from a league and a Blues perspective. But Adelaide have got some talent there too. Riley O'Brien has probably been the second best ruck, in my opinion, so far this season behind Max Gorn. Uh, I spoke about Ben Keys a lot so far this season as well. And they've got some 
emerging young players as well. Riley Philthorpe is out injured at the moment. And um, Rory Laird too, obviously not a young emerging player, but he's been the star the last couple of years in the midfield for the Crows. Onto the um, unofficial Brownlow medal leaderboard on ESPN, there is now a clear leader. He's picked up four best on grounds in seven weeks. Patrick Cripps from Carlton's on 14. Lockie Neal from Brisbane's gone one, three, point five, and three in his last four games. He's on 12 and a half. Andrew Brayshaw is 11. They're the top three. And then we'll go from about 10th up. Tuke Miller and Jack Higgins are now eight votes. Tuke Miller is my tip for the Brownlow. Clayton Oliver on nine. Max Gorn, nine and a half. Ben Keyes from Adelaide, nine and a half. Christian Petrarca, 10, and then Brayshaw, Neal, and Cripps. I can't see anybody coming from outside that list with the possible exception of Steele if he has some lights-out performances. Um, Cripps, at the moment, I think is everybody's early favourite. There's a long way to go. And Lachlan Neal is firming quickly to get a, have become following that five and become a dual brand line medalist. Um, but certainly Cripps, he's just a physically dominant player, Louis. He is, David. But the thing with Cripps, I think, other than those other couple of names you just mentioned there in the short term, but can he be healthy for the rest of the season? He's been, he's had a couple of injury clouds the last little while. That's the only thing for me probably stopping stopping him from having uh, Charles around his neck um, into the last week of September for me. Indeed. Uh, look, as simple as that. It will be interesting to see how it all goes. Brayshaw is going to pick up votes. As I said, Petrarca, Gorn and Oliver are all in the top 10 and they're there taking votes of each other. Big Max has had a purple patch. He's gone 3-3, three, three, and 3 in his last four rounds. So fantastic from him. Lucas, um, thank you for talking about AFL with me. Um, now, uh, broadcasting uh, for AFL City on KO this weekend. Lucas James Holmes with some other Muppet. Muppet, Louis, where are we and what are we up to, please? You spoke about beautiful locations on the East Coast in our intro, David. We're at another beautiful location on Sydney's Northern Beaches on, on Saturday afternoon. Weldon Oval at Curl Curl, Premier Division men's and women's, both Manly Warringah and UTS. Our Premier Division Premier Division women's, David, 12.30 and Premier Division men's, 2.30 as far as I'm aware. That is correct, Lucas and uh, Holmes, David Redden with you on KO and on AFL Sportscast. Broadcast times at 12.25 and 2.25 over at Weldon Oval. Weather forecast is a bit breezy. It'll go left to right on your screen, we believe, with westerlies and 21 degrees. There is football being played at Brookvale that afternoon, so it's going to be a busy, busy part of the world on, on that Saturday afternoon with ourselves there as well. It's a busy precinct, actually, that Curl Curl area. Big sporting precinct. Can't wait to bring that to you. Uh, get a real good look at the manly women's side who, um, and despite the absence of Lisa Steen, who's travelling, they're a very, very good football side. And if there's a side that's going to put pressure on East Coast in the West, Louis, it's manly. Go on, mate. Yeah, uh, they are back uh, now. So it'll be interesting to see if they come back and decide both uh, Steen for manly and uh, Smy for UTS. So, but they're back. So that'll be interesting to see if, we can uh, see some of our old friends from the AFL Hunter Central Coast in a, in a couple of days' time, David. Premiership players at that. Louis, anything further you want to discuss before we call uh, due, due to a close today? Just very quickly, David. I touched on it earlier. Fremantle have had some more COVID um, health and safety protocol uh, issues the last couple of days. Uh, Griffin Lowe, Lloyd Meek, Michael Frederick have ended protocols with Lobb, Collier and Akers already out from the gut. Um, from the side that upset Geelong last weekend. So Low, Meek, Frederick have ended protocols with Lobb, Collier and Akers already out. It's probably the week that you want to be playing North Melbourne in Perth, isn't it? I think so, David. But they're, they're starting to emerge with some real depth over there in Fremantle. They've had some uh, 
injury concerns and then served the last of the while. Alex Pierce has been a great player, but when, when he's been on the ground, but he's been out, he's had some battle with some injury concerns the last couple of years. So the great, the great to see him in full flight. Rory Lobbs, I think you'll, you'll echo my sentiment on this, is probably underwhelmed since he's cha- since he switched from the Giants. But other than that, they've got some good depth. We spoke about Brayshaw earlier on. Five still waiting in the wings to return from injury. And David Money, despite being in the twilight of his career, these last couple of years, he's probably been the best of his career to date. Rory Lobb reminds me a bit of that former Sydney and Collingwood player called Jesse White, who yep. everybody thinks has got this massive ceiling and has never quite has never quite produced. And he's not getting any younger. He's in the backside of 25. So, no, that's a good call. Louis, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great speaking with you. I look forward very much to sharing the commentary box with you over there with that big, big wazza over there at Manly. It'll be a lot of fun hearing in the back. You'll hear in the back of our commentary, ball, oh, that'll be wazza going off about something or other. Uh, can't wait to be there. Look forward to it. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. As always, David, always great to speak with you. Take care. On behalf of Louis um, and David, everybody look after yourself. Take care. Be safe in these times. We we'll look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye-bye.